The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape Podcast with me, Martin Saunders. And with me, Rachel Garner. You are so very, very welcome. Martin, you are so welcome today as well. Oh, thanks. I just think, because we both sit here doing this, I like to kind of just create a sense of welcome that everyone is included into. It's like the triune dance that we're invited into. Oh, but well, it's producer Rachel, the third. Yes, she is actually. The yes. third member of the Trinity. Yeah, like that iconography. It's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Just to be very clear, we don't believe ourselves to be the <laughs> members of the Holy Trinity. It was just for illustrative purposes. Yes, to welcome you. That is fantastic. We had to do a video recently. They did a bit, they came and filmed us um, because they were doing a little promo video about mm. the work of Youthscape. And we had to fake up oh, yes, the, the, um, the introduction. And we did that whole, hi, I'm Martin Saunders. And a funny thing happened to me on the way to the butcher. That's actually that that's how it starts. The video's like, a funny thing happened to me this morning. And I never say that. No, so I'm going to ask you, yeah. what was the funny thing that happened to you this morning? Oh my goodness, I, um... Anything? Actually, because I am a mummy of two quite small children, um, the funny things that tend to happen for me in the morning is gratuitous conversations about bodily fluids oh, yeah. and gases yeah. and who's eating what and who's wearing whose knickers on whose head. Like that, yeah. my morning... And this is just Jason. And this is just me trying to get Jason out the door to do some saying work. So yeah, my mornings are incredibly raw. And I always think... We really want to get some gap year students to come and live with us. And I'm kind of thinking, the interview process will be not like, do you think you can fit in? Like, but can you cope with us? Like, yeah. when you hear our conversation, will you cope? So that's... You just show them things. Say, how grossed oh, are you? Yeah, that's this? right. <laughs> when you find this. And, yeah. Oh, my goodness. When your uh, underwear ends up on my kid's head, you know, how are you going to feel about that? So, a slightly yeah. funny thing happened to me this morning. Well, I thought mm. my wife thought it was funny. I didn't think it was funny. But I came down the stairs and I have a dog. You don't have a dog, do no, you? No, no dogs. So I'm a dog owner. Any lovers of dogs out there, just, you know, beat your chest <laughs> at this moment. And uh, I came downstairs and it's the nightmare scenario when your dog has an upset stomach. Oh no, I, this is yeah. why I don't have a dog. This is, why, you this this is why I shouldn't have a dog. <laughs> and do you know where she, d- she decided to, this is just an extra, producer Rachel was holding her head yes, in her hands here. Yeah. But, um, but she decided that the best place to evacuate her system was onto one of my children's beloved Lego models. Oh, bless it. So it had a solidity to it. Did you notice was... it though for a while? Or did it oh, just look it was like very Lego? obvious from the smell. Oh, okay, all right. As I came so you down just the knew. stairs. You just knew. And you're like, it's, so I, if I'm coming to, to Luton, I don't live in Luton as we've yes, discussed, I live yeah. quite a while away. So the alarm goes off at like 5.30. Yeah. So I can have a shower and get on the train. And uh, and so I hadn't factored in time for that. I came down and there it was. And it's like, what do you do? Because I know how much my kids love that oh Lego model. to get rid of the Lego. But you can't just bin it all. You have to bin it all. No, so I, I got a whole... I, oh. I was like there with the flash oh, liquid. Oh, no. I had to scrub. But the amount of crevices in yeah. Lego Oh, monsters. Lego is extraordinary. <laughs> So um, it was a Batman, a Batman uh, model. Oh, Batman's seen many yeah. things. I don't think he's ever seen that. Oh, that was a scrape he's never been in before. Where was the dog all this time? Looking a bit sheepish. The, in the dog. Corner. They do. They look sheepish and just sorry. Know. They just know. Like I'm sorry. I but know. But she wouldn't have chosen to do that. Like that no. would have been like. It was. De- it was a it was... desperate scenario. Yeah. <laughs> and so she went to her happy place. Yeah. So she went to the Lego. And so I had to. So that was. I spent this morning scrubbing. Oh dog poo off of I am so terrible with people being sick and go. sickness and my own I when I begin to feel like I'm going to throw up I begin to get really like oh no 
I get like that double kind of, I don't I really don't want to like uh-huh. I, I'm gonna stop myself um, I have had some hilarious stories recently but I won't show them because they're just so disgusting but I remember one story of taking teenagers to Summer Survivor and Jason my Jason my husband got really really sick and so he was quarantined in this little one man tent and we have taken a massive group of young people I was like and they're not all gonna get sick and one girl in our church I'm sure I've told this story she just didn't want to be at Soul Survivor she didn't come to any of the sessions she hated it all and she suddenly thought I'm gonna look after Jason and it was just brilliant because she would boil water for him to drink but because that was all she was doing at Soul Survivor and because I was off looking after the rest of the young people she was constantly feeding him this like freshly boiled water to the point that he was like texting like please get her to stop oh. like get her to go and see stop because she was like feeding him water understand. all the time yeah it's a it's a, for her it was like the most amazing week she cared oh. for him and brought him back like from and jay's like leave me alone oh Too much. no do you know i've oh. had a horrible thought Ugh. so this the first five minutes of this podcast is absolutely disgusting and also <laughs> and also i'm thinking because of who our guest is today We've probably got some new listeners from uh, the world of academia <laughs> and, and and friends from across the world. Oh, who don't know us. International don't friends. Don't know anything about British youth they, ministry. They don't know That's you and I. That's what you need to know. When, you, when, you, when somebody starts to tell this kind of a story, yeah, they have to have some currency with the listeners. <laughs> you know, you're okay listening to my dog poo story because we've been on a journey of 100 yes, episodes. Yes. You don't mind, Stephen yes, Mitchell. Yes. You don't mind, yes, Gareth Crispin. These people don't mind. I'm doing the shout-outs at the start. You see what I've done? It's Preston. Joe yes. Taylor. Mm, we've done it. We've done our shout-outs. So, so um, we are sorry. So, so if, you, if you listen every time, you're fine. You've, you've heard this before. And you've zoned out of you're, our voices. You've zoned out. And you're just grateful that to this point there's been no nudity. <laughs> No, Martin nudity. You've not, not been naked I, on a podcast no, ever. I've not, no, exactly. Thank the Lord. Good grief. And, um, and, and so... Oh, um, gosh, I'm so sorry. So we're really sorry. Friends. New friends. We really would like to be your friends. And um, what can we do now? To I think we should talk them? about the latest interesting book we're reading. <laughs> I think this might go terribly okay, wrong as well. Okay, so, so um, I'm reading a book at the moment. Are you? Yeah, I'm reading... Actually, a... I'm reading a great book as well. Are you? Yes. Is it academic? Well, yes, it is, and subversive. It's a brilliant book, actually. So, um, my um, next book that I've got to read is Andy Root's new book Ooh. on the pastor in the secular age. Oh, I've not read that. But yet. unfortunately, I've not started reading it, so I can't bluff the fact oh, because I... that is a proper academic book. So you can just say that you've seen the cover. I've definitely seen the cover, and he's coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks <laughs> to so talk about the book. Uh, but the book I'm actually reading is a book called Willpower. Mm. which is about self-control mm. and it's fascinating it's not a self-help book no. it's a book about the academic research that's taken place in the US mm. around uh, uh, willpower and self-control and how, how kind of that is the key life skill you need for success mm. I am a man who has precious little self-control if you had an experiment where you put a plate of delicious Indian food in front of me I'd be salivating within mm. seconds and I, I, I might wait for five, ten seconds after you left the room but and then I'd eat the entire plate. But also if we put a mic, a live mic in front of you and the, the prospect of a story about poo, there's nothing in you No one says, can stop me. Don't go there. So we, I, think, think. I think we can know that. We can so I'm that. reading a book called yes. Willpower. Great. And, uh, Please and, bear fruit. Even, so here's one little nugget straight away, right? Yes. Just, just straight off the bat. Um, there's a, a famous uh, test that they did in the States uh, a, a good few decades ago that you might have heard of where they put four-year-olds in a room with a marshmallow. And so they test the willpower of the four-year-old 
with this this idea of delayed gratification, right? So um, if you eat the marshmallow straight away, you don't get another one. But if you wait 15 minutes um, with the single marshmallow, um, then you'll get a second marshmallow. And and some of the kids wait, some of the kids eat it straight away, some of the kids are banging on the door asking for more marshmallows, um, all that sort of thing. Anyway, by chance, they discovered that one of the um, one of the kids, well, this wasn't by chance, but one of the kids in the original study was the daughter of one of the researchers. So, some sort of 15 years later, where they're at the end of their school journey, um, she starts to comment, oh, do you know what's interesting, um, Dad? But the, you know when we did that survey, the ones who waited for the marshmallow, the ones who waited and were able to delay gratification, are the same kids that are doing really well at school, really focused, achieving wow. high, all that sort of stuff. So it's one of the few examples of there being a correlation, a scientific correlation. See, I'm doing this for the academics. Mm-hmm. I said scientific correlation, people. No. I don't even know what that means. Uh, between um, you know childhood behaviours four years old yes, and so on yes. and adult behaviours and outcomes and, mm. and outcomes mm. now in most cases says the book that's that's actually been not been proved there's very little oh. causal link oh, proved right, between okay. who you are as a child and who you are as an adult unless okay. you have some massive trauma yes um, but generally speaking one is not a prediction of the other except in no, self-control oh, good grief can you teach self-control well they think you can but right. I haven't got to that chapter yet okay that's when I think it'll go a bit self, self-helpy self so, if you're interested in going on that journey with me, uh, mm. Willpower by two Americans whose names I can't remember. Fantastic. What about you? What's your book? So, my book at the moment, I um, I always have a bit of toes on the go, as we oh. know well, and a bit of change. Are you just still reading the and same book? And a bit book? of Barbara Taylor Bradford. Um, Barbara Taylor Bradford? <laughs> do you mean Barbara Brown Taylor? I need mean Barbara Brown Taylor. Oh, brilliant. Can I just call her Barbara Taylor You Brown? did that on purpose. That's better. But I recently, um, I don't know why I'm so late for the day, I'm really inspired by Rachel Held Evans and it's oh. tragically died. Um, and so I think there's that kind of poignancy as you read the book of somebody who's recently died. And, and yeah. it is an incredible book, mm. inspired. And, and at the same time as reading it, so she's unpacking really how she handles scripture and her own journey of growing up in a very evangelical conservative home where she was taught scripture and she really talks about how incredible that was. She's really affirming of her family and that. But then going on a journey of kind of deconstructing that and coming to a place where she loves scripture again, but how that's newly built into her. And at the same time as reading this, um, every night I read my seven-year-old um, a section of the Bible. We're kind of going through this, it's called a day in the life of the Bible or something. I mean, just read a section every day. There's no questions, no discussions. We just read the story and we read the prayer. And it doesn't, as I've said before on the podcast, it covers everything. Like we go every single story in linear time. And so we've been wading through the judges and the kings and the and the, and the Syrians and the Babylonians and this. And it is dry as anything. And I just keep watching my daughter thinking, surely tonight she'll say, no, thank you. But we just keep on going. And then the other night we stumbled across the next story is Esther. Ah. And suddenly when you read Esther... In the backdrop of all these horrendous kings that mess up and fail and, and you know, make these treaties with these other superpowers and there's like, they repeat again and again of faithlessness, you suddenly read Esther's story and it shines. Like, mm. it's so powerful. And so it's four, the Esther story has been defined into four chunks, but Daisy was like, what's the next bit? We need to keep going, keep going. As if she didn't know. And she knows the story, but as if she didn't know it. And it mm. was just... And I just thought, actually, that's what I'm gleaning from Rachel Held Evans' book, which is let, let the Bible be a mess. Let it, let it tell you what it wants to tell you. Don't try and bring to it 
what you need to hear or mm. you want to squeeze into it or just let it let it be itself and it was just so powerful mm. so that's that is massively inspiring me her book inspired so good good answer yeah it was, wow. and I don't normally have a book like that on my bedside table no. Esther's one of those books isn't it that um, it gets a bit of a bad rap like um essentially it's there's no mention of god mm. in the book so people are a bit sniffy about mm. it and i wonder if sometimes those same people are a bit sniffy about a female focused mm. story but um but there's gold in there especially when you read it in context yeah, it's, it's not it's, just about it's being the pretty. reading in context i think is so powerful and then you suddenly realize that queen vashti who is potentially murdered for defying the king mm. or banished mm. you suddenly realize this, this is that this is a woman hater this king like there's nothing mm. about how do we ever get to the place where the exegesis from this story is actually approaching the king that's how you should approach your husband like where do mm. we ever get that theology from there when you when you read it in this well, it's context convenient. it's convenient it's just, isn't it oh it's crazy so that's been absolutely brilliant and i suppose that's got me asking questions about how do I do that in a youth work setting? So Daisy's my daughter. I'm, I'm reading to her every night. She's young enough for me to say I'm reading this. But like, how do we hold young people, young disciples in that space where we let the Bible be super dry and, and, let, and to the point where suddenly something jumps out at them and it re- rather than us try to do the work of making it fun, yeah. how do we let young people just handle the boring and handle the annoying and handle the inconsistencies? And then suddenly they mine it and find something that, that does just just blow them away. Like that's a challenge for us, isn't it? If we just do Bible study, which yeah. is one verse here, one verse there. Yeah. As a side note, a super dry Bible would probably sell very well with teenagers. Super dry. I mean, that's a great idea. Yeah. Super dry. There you go. We'll see if sing. they'll go for it. So uh, we've got uh, a wonderful guest. Today. Yes. Yes. And uh, this this has sort of come about in an interesting way. So. So Abigail Visco-Russett is the director of the Institute for, Youth, Institute for Youth Ministry at Princeton Theological Seminary. Um, and uh, we've got to know, Youthscape and Princeton have sort of, we've got to know each other, yeah. we've dated, we've started to go steady. Very special relationship. We have got the yeah. special relationship. I've famously broken Professor Kendra Dean's uh, blind yes. in her in her bathroom. Which is not a metaphor. It's actually her no, real blind. No, I really blind did break her blind in her bathroom. Um, and uh, and someone told her this time when I was last time I was out at Princeton. <laughs> someone told her helpfully. Um, so that was that went that down was well. Nice. <laughs> uh, so I've got to replace that. But uh, we've got this great relationship with Princeton, and uh, that has also kind of meant that they've been quite involved in our National Youth Ministry Weekend, mm-hmm. which happens every November. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going, you should find out if any last minute uh, tickets are still available. Um, and also for the first time this year, uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Lucy Shuker and I, I just added the reverend, yeah, she's not, but it sounds good. It, it does sound very good. Dr. Lucy Shuker and I went out to their event, which is called the Forum on Youth Ministry. And uh, and we spoke at that. And that was, a, that was a harrowing experience for me because again, I was presented with a room full of academics. Mm, and As you can know, Grant came out, didn't uh, they? my yes. inner Hugh Grant came yeah. out because I, I can do poo stories. That's what I do. And even when presented with some of the greatest minds in youth ministry in the world, I still go there. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't resist the temptation. <laughs> quite obtuse. I did, didn't one of our team want to say that organisations take on the kind of the personality of their client group? And I do think that when you're a youth worker, it's very hard to not kind of be your 13 year old self yeah. I find that I, I can access her so easily yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'd be different if I was in a different profession would I act differently I don't know I, I worry that I wouldn't what would you be what other profession would you have done if you'd if you'd not gone into 
you know, church church work. Mm, I say church work. Church, whatever you do. Probably some kind of education. I'm really, really passionate about teaching and that kind of stuff. Mm. But I don't know it would have been a good fit for me because I, I also am a bit like, nah, about the things that I don't think matter that much. Yeah. Um, so I think I struggle to kind of really buy into the whole sense. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I've never really thought maybe an actress. Yes. <gasps> I'd love to be You could have been in musical theatre. Oh, I'd love to be in musical theatre. Yeah. That would be fun. How about for you? I've never really thought about it, to be honest. I tell you what, yeah, footballer. Oh, here we go. Writer. Yeah, I can see where this is going. (laughs) Writer books. (laughs) So, I tell you what, I'm really, I would have loved to have been is a town planner. Would you? Genuinely? Yeah, do you know, like, yeah, I know. Do you know what? Producer Rachel's giving me the side eye because she doesn't believe me, but you know, uh, you know, Sin City. Yes, you know, we used to yes. create. I used to love that. Oh. I love the idea of like plotting out how a, a how a town works town. and then protecting it against an invading invading dinosaur or whatever you had to do in SimCity. It's just Game of Thrones, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so let us have this fantastic stonking interview. This is when Martin managed to sit down and have a great chat with Abigail. The Youthscape Podcast. So my guest today is uh, a friend of mine from across the sea uh, in the United States of America. Uh, in, uh, if you can picture a big map of America in the sort of like the east, eastern bit, not quite on the coast, just inside. Am I painting a lovely visual picture for you here, listener? Uh, and she's like, she's like, get on with it. What on earth are you talking about? Um, anyway, Abigail Visco Russet is at Princeton Theological Seminary, where she's the director of the Institute of Youth Ministry, for Youth Ministry, the Youth Ministry. What is it, Abigail? (laughs) Institute for Youth Ministry. Very good. And just tell us a little bit about um, what that is. That sounds very grand. So what is the Institute for Youth Ministry? What are your aims? What do you people want? What do do we want? Great question. Um, First, thank you so much for having me on. It is a joy to be... Uh, on this podcast and I love Youthscape and everything you all do so thank you so much for having me and hosting me. Um, The Institute for Youth Ministry, yes we are housed at Princeton Theological Seminary and we basically train and resource anybody in the public arena, in congregational ministry um, and sometimes even in the academy often uh, who work with young people. So we're creating programs, we are creating resources, whether that's some digital articles or digital courses that folks can take. Um, we're doing innovation. We are trying to work with anybody who works with young people and calls it ministry in some way. And what does it what does it look like? Like if you if you it's not a virtual thing, it's a real thing with real real oh, people yeah. and real students. So what does it give us an idea of what, what happens if you if you kind of enroll on a program at the Institute of Youth Ministry? Yeah. For youth so, ministry. Is it for youth ministry? For, yeah. Institute you know, all the time. for youth ministry. <laughs> happens all the time. Institute for youth ministry. Yeah. The, the, what it would look like is, let's say you're working in a church somewhere, or maybe you're working in some sort of an organization that does ministry with young people, and you think, oh my goodness, I, I need community. Hmm. I need a place where I can... Uh, reflect. I want to dig deeper. There's something going on here. There's this thing I'm encountering called theology, and I want to learn more about that. Who do I go to? We want you to think of us. 
And what you would do is you would apply to be in one of our programs. For example, we have a certificate program, a certificate in youth and theology, and you could apply to work with us for a year. You would come to campus twice. You would do digital courses. You would read books and do case studies. You would basically get FaceTime with us on a monthly basis, um, sometimes a little bit more than that even. And you would be connected to a community of other people who are doing what you are doing all over um, the United States and sometimes internationally as well. And we would walk, walk you through some learning we would also learn a lot from you. <laughs> yeah. So, and, then, and at the end, you'd walk away from a with a certificate from Princeton Theological Seminary saying, you know what, I, I know how to reflect theologically, and I've engaged some pretty tough stuff and worked through it and done a project um, for this place I work at uh, to help them do their ministry better, help us do our ministry better wherever I am. So, and, and, yeah. uh, and there are some Brits who've sort of been on the journey oh, yeah. with you and, and, and been through it. And we'll, we'll get on to, it'd be great to talk about kind of uh, the experience of, of us working together on a, a course over the last year. Um, oh, yeah. but, uh, but, but before we do that, just because I think I, I, like to, I like people to have, um, you know, mental pictures. People are listening mm. to this podcast, they're out for their run, they're in the gym, and, and they don't want to just uh, listen to voices. They want to have a picture of and I, I've been to Princeton a couple of times it's just such a beautiful mm. place can you just describe kind of the ambiance of the the place where you're situated in in Princeton it's, it's really nice oh it really is I mean uh there's this pocket of New Jersey <laughs> called Princeton yeah and you have to understand I'm from a different state in the United States. And so anybody who is from outside of the state of New Jersey tends to give it a hard time. So you'll have to forgive me for that. But I have to say there's this beautiful pocket called Princeton and it's this academic town with very, for us, <laughs> very old buildings. I realize it's silly to say that. Yeah. Someone from old. the UK. <laughs> it's all old. about, it's all about scale, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's a relative term. Right. <laughs> So for us in the U.S., these are old buildings. We've got, I always say this is like a 200-year-old institution. Um, 1812 is the actual uh, launch date for Princeton Seminary, depending on who you speak with. That's one of the launch dates. And we've got this great academic field, this huge library. We've got beautiful, a beautiful campus, a quad, Miller Chapel, which is this, you know, Presbyterian sort of whitewashed walls inside and You've got not a lot of stained glass, right? There's beautiful windows that help you see the outside when you're worshiping in that space. And whenever we gather youth ministers on this campus, whether it's for our annual event, the forum, or retreats associated with our certificate programs, um, we just get to live in this space and the, this very heady space. Um, but there's also great food downtown, little local shops with quirky things that they're selling, um, you know, lovely pubs <laughs> yeah so yeah it's, 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 it's a, a lovely academic uh, it's a good it's a bit like town. Sorry? It's, it's it's a little bit like if um so so i don't i don't like to make a big thing of this but i i attended cambridge university and uh oh. does that impress you does that impress you at princeton oh, yeah. i don't know oh, hopefully totally. it does um I, I be honest i got in the back door but uh, let's yeah. leave that for another day um <laughs> But I did, I did go to Cambridge University, and it's like Cambridge, but with the, mm. like, 
without all the other people living there that you have. Like Cambridge is also a functioning city, whereas mm. it feels like Princeton is, it's just, it's really just the university, isn't it? It's just like that is the, or certainly the bit that, bit that I've seen, it's, it's, well, just, it's just the university. There, well, and there's several. I mean, we've got Westminster Choir College is here. You know, obviously the seminary is a different campus than the university. So there's these two campuses. They're, they're sister campuses. They're right next door to each other. Um, they're not sister institutions, but sister campuses. And there's a lot of, you know, millionaires who live in Princeton. <laughs> so anyone who works at the seminary usually has to commute. I can't live nearby. <laughs> right? I, this is why I live out of state. This is I'm a pastor, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get you know the seminary confused with sort of the millionaires who also live locally. No, no, anyway. of course, of course. Is there just out of interest? Um, I imagine we might cut this question, but I'm just interested. Um, yeah. Sometimes you have in this country where you have an amazing um, university in a town. There's also like another university that sets up in the same town uh, to mm. get a little bit of reflected glory. And it's almost the same thing, but it's it's not quite. Do you have like a fake? Is there like a fake Princeton also in the corner of the town? <laughs> well, I feel like there um, is. There is, isn't it? Is it you? Are you the fake? Are you the yeah, fake Princeton? Yeah, I was going to say. Actually, the best candidate for that might be Princeton Seminary. I mean, historically, we were the same institution, and I would make an argument that when Princeton Seminary was launched, it's what it, when Princeton was launched, the seminary is what the institution was. Now. If you go on the university website, you're going to see a different story. <laughs> but, um, you know, at a certain point, once, you know, once sort of the modernist project of, of and the study of science sort of took different, different turns, um, there was a group of people who said, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to do education or academia with these heathens. We're going to go over here okay. and start a seminary. You know, we'll train the pastors and y'all can do the, the work of heathens. Obviously, there's, there's a lot that has changed since then, um, yeah. and there's a lot of what we call reciprocity between the two institutions. You know, we, in, in other words, we share classes. Students here can attend classes there. Students uh, there okay. classes with us. You know, and they don't have to go through a separate process. So there's um, a lot of collegiality um, and collaboration. But but our inst our like administrations are completely separate. Our endowments are separate. Mm. All of that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, now. Um, so thank you, thank you for indulging me. Um, the, obviously, we've um, uh, Youthscape and Princeton have kind of been uh, becoming friends for the last uh, few years, and yes. um, and we've started to work together on some things. So you guys have uh, been involved in every single one of the National Youth Ministry Weekend events that we've held, and you're um, going to be coming back again uh, in November for um, for this year's. Um, and we'll get on to that. Um, but also we've worked together on um, a sort of academic, well, let's call it quasi-academic, um, you know, because we're involved, uh, program. Um, but, uh, but just, do you want to just explain very briefly what that is and then talk about from your perspective what's been the kind of, what, what what's been the experience of doing something cross-culturally, um, internationally with what was actually six I think I'm right in saying six UK youth workers mm -hmm. and six uh, Americans involved in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. Well, so much to say about this program. I'll try to keep it short for the sake of the listeners. That's right. Um, we, can, we can edit you. Oh, great. Oh, perfect. Well, first, major props need to go to 
the people from our respective organizations who are running this. So Megan DeWald and Lucy Shuker. Um, and uh, on our side, you know, we, we just are so excited about being able to collaborate with Youthscape on this because what we see about what you are doing is you are bringing so much to the youth ministry conversation writ large when it comes to innovation. And we think that, you know, we have a lot, we have 25 years. The Institute for Youth Ministry has been around for 25 years. We have this rich history of helping youth ministers dig deep when it comes to wedding sort of theology and praxis. So as you, as you go about the work of youth ministry, how are you actually reflecting on that? What does that look like for you? And then in the last year and a half, we have sort of launched into this conversation alongside you of innovation mm -hmm. as well and what that would look like. So together we created this thing, right? The Certificate in Youth Theology and Innovation, which basically is a very, I mean, obviously we forced you into that title because Princeton is so annoying. We have to have the longest title possible. That's right? fine. Just it, be short and it made us feel clever. It was fine. <laughs> That's great because you make us feel clever. So the... Um, you know, but that really captures what I think the two organizations bring to each other, right? So a certificate in youth theology and innovation with our forces combined, what a gift. And yeah, six youth ministry leaders from the United States, six from the UK, and putting these folks in a room together and saying, hey, we think you have something to teach each other um, and, and uh, something to learn from each other, just like our two organizational entities. <laughs> Right, like yeah. there's so much learning, and so we've walked them through digital courses. Some that we've created, some that y'all have created. We have gathered them at your flagship event, of course, and at our flagship event. And that's you know we launched at yours, we ended at ours, and this community was formed. I mean, when these folks got, I, you and I sat in on the awarding of certificates at yep. the end, and to see the stories in that room. I mean, they're recruiting each other to speak at each other's events across the Atlantic. Yep. They are leveraging the gifts and, and skills and uh, trials and failures that they mutually have gone through yep. across the pond. And I think that we are positioned to learn so much from the UK about what it looks like to actually have to constantly iterate and innovate um, in, in, in with the challenges that you are all carrying around, um, we have been learning so much from you about that just on the ground, right? These folks are in, are in ministry. They're doing the thing. They're not necessarily students, but we're pulling them out and saying, okay, be a student of your own ministry context and teach each other, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that has been such an incredible gift for our shared work yeah. together. Yeah. What, how much do you buy the, the narrative that says... Uh, youth ministry and the church in the U.S. is X numbers of years, 5, 10, 15, behind the U.K.? Well, I think, that, I think that's a question I want you to answer. But um, we certainly bought into that initially in our, in our work with you. And I, I don't know, I guess, I think it's more nuanced than that, right? I think yeah. it's more nuanced than saying, oh, 20 years down the road, we're going to be exactly in your shoes in, yeah. in the U.S., right? But, but there's something to be said for, I remember in, in your origin story, I don't know if you meant for me to pick this up, <laughs> you shared your origin story. My origins? Well, like, you mean like my superhero origin story? No, <laughs> no, I mean in the youthscape. Oh. oh, that's less interesting. Go on. 
Go on. <laughs> Carry on. Um, I don't know if you meant for us to pick this up, but what I gathered is, you know, at, at a certain point, we looked around at the landscape of the church and we said, we don't have any choice but to work with each other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the narrative in the United States currently is we are, we are coming, we are arriving at that place. That's I mean, a positive thing, isn't it? I think so. I, you know, people, people come at that narrative by, uh, after traveling a path that feels like failure. Yes. You know, I think a lot of congregations are picking up their heads and saying, wait a minute, we can't think about youth ministry in the same way we always have. You know, it used to be this thing where we think, oh, we have to, we have to bring in a youth minister to, to help us make sure our kids are good <laughs> or our kids are okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just don't think that's the job of a youth minister, A. But, but B, we're not in competition with each other anymore. There used to be this thing about sheep stealing, right? What I call sheep stealing yeah. in yeah, congregational yeah. ministry. Like, oh, let's not collaborate too much because then... You know, that big fancy church down the street might steal all of our sheep. It's our very people. familiar here, that idea. Very familiar. Yeah. And, um, and we just, to me, that's not a very interesting conversation. To me, that's not, very, not a very fruitful path. Mm. So in the landscape of youth ministry, even the collaboration on the meta level, right, between Princeton and Youth State is to say, hey, what would it look like for two youth ministry entities to work together instead of trying to, um, you know, I don't know, First of all, we don't have as much chance to compete or cross the pond from each other. But but there's something to be said for just moving forward from a, a starting place of reciprocity and collaboration, yeah. right? There's there's something to be said for saying, hey, let's learn together mm-hmm. instead of um, try to sheep steal in any way, shape, or form, whatever that might mean mm-hmm. um, on any level. So, yeah, I think the narrative is we we don't have the capacity to look around and say and talk about all the scarcity we have to start looking at each other as as uh, partners yeah <laughs> and um co-conspirators in the work of ministry and that's on a very very grassroots level i love uh, that. what people are doing in, in towns and communities across our country i love that now i've, I've realized something which i feel like as two fairly intelligent people we should have picked up earlier um but you just said that the iym is 25 years old it is and youthscape is also 25 years old that's true that's interesting several iterations of yourself why have we never made that connection i don't know that's so interesting Do you feel like there's something of the lord in that mm, holy spirit's alive look at god wow i like that <laughs> i'm going to check the dates later on this is good get very exciting one of the things I pick up listening to you is you have a real passion for people's um, continued development in their profession. So it's not it's not a full stop once you've you've earned a degree or a, a, you know you've been to seminary or whatever in the, in the U.S. Um, it's not about that. That's re- you're now ready. You're now fully trained and ready to go. There's this real kind of passion for um, continuing input. Like is that would that be fair? Oh my gosh, one hundred percent. In fact. Tons of the people that we work with at the Institute for Youth Ministry are people who are not necessarily planning on going to seminary. They just find themselves working in ministry, again, craving community and then craving deeper learning and engagement with God talk, which is theology, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's vitally important. And that mirrors how I think about youth ministry, actually. Mm. Uh, I don't think about youth ministry as a thing where we take young people and we, um, you know, 
it's sort of like bread dough. You know, we form them and then we bake them and then they're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then they, yeah. they pop out sort of a well-formed adult. Right. Yes. I think that youth ministry is just one step along the journey of the process of what it means to live and move and have our being in the world, to be human. And we just get to, for a time, engage in the, the experience of people who are young and mm. say, hey, you're not a human becoming, you're a human being. And um, I'm stealing that language from a, a dear scholar and friend of mine, Wes Ellis, who just talks about young people not as human becomings, but as human beings. So we get to encounter them at, at a certain uh, part of their journey, basically, and, yeah. and talk about God and, and try to understand together more deeply who God is and what God is doing in our, in our mutual journeys. Um, just one more kind of project I'd love to talk about before we move on in terms of the, uh, the IYM and Princeton um, is the Log College project, which mm. I think has been going for a couple of years already. So, so this is a huge um, uh, project working with a number of churches across the United States. Um, and it's a youth ministry innovation project, um, perhaps the most interesting and exciting one in the whole world. So um uh, you probably need to tell us why it's called the Log College Project, um, <laughs> because I know there's a good answer. Um, yeah. But then also, kind of, what's what's that about? What's and what have you seen? What's been the learning so far of that journey? Yeah. Well, thank you for that incredible affirmation for our work. Um, I'll tell you what it is, and then I'll tell you why we called it the Log College Project. So, basically, the Log College Project is the Institute for Youth Ministry working with. 12 churches in the United States from all over the map, all social locations, all different uh, congregational sizes and denominational backgrounds or not, non-denominational backgrounds. And we're trying to help these congregations and partner with them to design, prototype, and implement new forms of youth ministry. And what that means for us is basically for, oh goodness, we could make arguments about how long this has existed, but maybe for the last 75 to 100 years, we've had a way of working with young people in the American church. And that, we've had a model, mm-hmm. and that's youth, youth group, which is we gather young people together and we put them in this age-specific peer-to-peer cohort and we, and we hire somebody to run that, <laughs> right? And we yeah. say, okay, this is the church's way of working with young people, youth group. And what we're trying to do is challenge that model we think that the church has basically come to us and said, hey, um, this, isn't, this isn't working. In fact, it's setting us up to sort of create uh, consumers of church alongside the rest of society. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we don't think faith is a thing you necessarily consume. Yeah. So what do we do about that? So it's basically a program that we've, that we've launched to help these churches think through that and to think, like, how the heck do we do, we do any of this? And um, it, it consists of, this is revolutionary for the Institute for Youth Ministry, but it consists of actually integrating young people into this design work. So it's design thinking yeah. for youth ministry. Yeah. And we've said, we're going to get intergenerational teams together. We're going to walk them through a process using design thinking. This is Youthscape's bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? we do, like, we do you guys do this all the time. We do some of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to walk this intergenerational team through this process. And two weeks ago, um, prior to our conversation right now, today in July yeah. um, 2019, we had 
these intergenerational teams from these 12 churches on campus. And they basically pitched a new idea for a new form of youth ministry. And we had this moment, I mean, people always think Shark Tank when you talk about pitches. Yeah. Uh, oh, you don't we call like it, we don't call it Shark tank. tank. We call it, we call it um, Dragon's Den. Oh, Dragon's Den there. Okay, okay, great. Well, darn it. I don't have a good, uh, I'm not as quick-witted, so I can't come up with something quippy or funny that, <laughs> that plays off of Dragon's Den. But um, the way that we, we talk about it is instead of our shark tank, we call it a dolphin tank. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's sort of like this moment where people get to pitch their projects and they get wild support, tons of resources thrown at them in the room that aren't just financial. We name networking resources. We name... Um, uh, different forms of basically social capital that we can help with mm. when, as these congregations are, are trying to launch these new forms of youth ministry. And we basically borrowed all this from another organization that is grounded in the UK um, called Matrishka House. They helped us with this dolphin tank moment. They basically cast the vision for that. So long story short, it's basically helping congregations to reform youth ministry. And the thing that makes it youth ministry it's not that they're designing new things for a bunch groups of young people to do. It's that young people are the co-designers of the ministry, mm. right? That's the thing that makes it youth ministry. They can, they can co-design a ministry for uh, elderly people in their congregation. doesn't matter to me. The thing that makes it youth ministry is that young people are designers now. They have agency. They're yes. not just the people who are being receivers of yeah. the ministry we're trying to do. And, that makes sense. and it does make sense. And of course, we've talked about this before, but um, but that plays into the hallmarks of this generation, the, the kind oh, yeah. of YouTube, Generation Google, Generation C uh, guys who and girls who, um, who, who, who like to collaborate, who like to create, who, who don't want to sit passively and receive. They want to be co-creators. Um, and, and so, of course, of course, the future of youth ministry is to involve young people in the design of the youth ministry. Of course, it is. So, um, well, yeah. Well, so what? What? Um, what have you kind of? What are the first fruits of that? Have you started to see that work? Because I imagine, if I was listening to this, and I, in some ways I am, uh, you know, I'd be thinking, what? What? Well, that sounds great. But if I got my group together and asked them to design a new youth group, they'd be stumped. So, um, mm. you know, what? In, when the rubber hits the road and you're actually, you know, in the dolphin tank or uh, for British, for, for British listeners, I guess we need a smaller version of dragon. So let's call it the gecko's den. If you're in, <laughs> if you're in that sense so really, does it work when you bring young people into the design process? Well, I, I do want to share one or two stories of what these churches are dreaming up. And, and then I want to speak to that really difficult piece of integrating young people into this, because this is not what the church, at least in the U.S., is used to doing. When we integrate young people, we put them in, like, the most boring meeting we can think of. <laughs> yes. Oh, go be on this committee at yes. this church. Just, just, do it, just do it how we do it. And yes. there's no actual collaboration with that young person, right? That's right? And then on the flip side, what we do sometimes is we say, you know what, we're just going to hand this to the young people. What do you want to do, young people? And we haven't actually equipped them to speak into that space. So I think it's there's a tightrope that the congregational uh, model, <laughs> which is, you know, church, 
what we need that we need to walk with young people. Mm-hmm. There needs to be some I mean, in collaboration, right? We work together. It's not just an all you and it's not just an all me. So figuring out how to do that with young people in the particular social location that they occupy um, and our challenge, right? The modern American high school too, they have a, a rhythm, <laughs> a liturgy to yeah. how they live their lives and yeah. go about their days, right? And so the church has to figure out how to be um, integrated into that and not, not, not saying that we want to give, um, you know, that we have to, I don't know, be against the high school, right? And not saying that we have to lift the modern American high school up as the thing everybody should be concerned about. But, um, but let's work with young people where they're at to do this, this hard work of design for congregation. Mm-hmm. And this is where we saw that there was a need um, for entities like Princeton, right? We think what we've brought to the table in this work is a process. So if you don't know how to do this with your church, if you don't know how to help young people work alongside you, that's where we come in. We've designed this process. Some of it is self-led. Some of it is um, resources that we give to congregations, but all of it is also feedback and work with our team and coaching from our team at the IYM to to work through those resources. And then, of course, coming together with these other churches who are trying to do the same stuff and then Princeton gets out of the way and says, yeah. hey, you're all trying to do this. How how would you help each other also? So, so again, it's this, um, this cohort thing comes in, doesn't it? It's this really interesting kind of um, model you've got going on within, within everything, which is people constantly crashing into new ideas, new people, new experiences by mm-hmm. bringing together people from different parts of the, of the U.S. And, and also of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we've brought in people from, oh gosh, all over, all over the map to try and pour into <laughs> this conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, us. you know, we're just figuring out what in the world the church needs and these incredible congregations we're working with are helping to teach us that. So there's a thousand things we do differently and there's a thousand things we do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We're about halfway through the project right now. And working on looking toward, you know, what is the next iteration for us and how do we find the right churches to continue to do this work with and how do they find us? So, yeah. And we, did we ever get to the bottom of why it's called the Log College Project? Oh, we did it. We did it. Um, I'll tell that story quickly. The, when, I, um, when I was asked to write this grant, it's a million dollar grant from the Lilly Endowment Incorporated, um, an organiz- a granting organization in Indiana. In the US. If you're um, listening, if you're listening, British listeners, they don't give money outside of the US. Don't get excited yeah, that you're not getting any of their money. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Templeton does though. Um, but, but okay. So so this organization uh, asked us to write for this grant. And when I talked to a VP at the seminary, they said, make sure that whatever you do, it is core to the mission, vision, and values of the Institute for Youth Ministry and of this place. So I locked myself in our beautiful library, <laughs> Princeton, and I began to encounter and reread the history of Princeton Seminary as an institution. And I found this story about the Log College. Mm. And the Log College was basically, I would argue, the first um, iteration, the, the innovation that led to Princeton Seminary as we know it today. Ah. And it was the first sort of groundbreaking innovation. It was a guy from the UK. <laughs> Of course. Um, of course, a Presbyterian, of course, 
who uh, was, was trained in Edinburgh and came to America, to this, to this new country, this new world, and was living outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And that's where all the Presbyterians were. That was a hub, hotspot of Presbyterians. And he noticed that there was training happening at Harvard and at Yale, little institutions, you may have heard of them, Yes. Um, for, for people to go into ministry, but there was nothing in the Philadelphia area. So he built a 20 by 20 log cabin and people end up calling us the log cabin project all the time. <laughs> um, but he built this 20 by 20 log cabin and said, hey, we're gonna do a new kind of theological education. We're not only going to study together, but we're going to live together. We're going to Sabbath together. It was very um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer-ish. Mm. <laughs> if you know who that theologian is or you have encountered him, if you yeah. haven't, please run out and buy the book Life Together. It's amazing. And um, he, this guy who, who built this log uh, cabin, it started to be called a college in contempt, people were mocking his work, actually, when they called it a log college. They said, oh, you know, you could go to Harvard and get training. You could go to Yale. But that log, quote, unquote, college over there yeah. who are, who's training people for ministry, those people, they're a, little, they're a little off the mark. They are a little too zealous. They're a little too on fire with the Holy Spirit. And um, they're not quite, oh, I don't know. They're not following right doctrine or best practices enough. So we got to keep an eye on them. And this sounds and, familiar. I know. Doesn't it sound like youth ministry? And really what, what this guy was doing, his name was William Tennant and he was doing youth ministry. He, he was pulling in young people and he was training young people and asking young people to do life together. And, and they transformed in the second great awakening in the United States. The, these young people who were trained at the law college preached this country into a great awakening. They were the great preachers who who took the gospel west <laughs> and um, did all this all, all this incredible ministry, and, and this is what led to Princeton Seminary. Many many iterations later, this led to Princeton Seminary, and a value that we have at the seminary still is life together. Mm. And I think what we're trying to create in the Log College Project, this grant that we have, is a microcosm of that. Is in your local congregation, what would it look like to not outsource youth ministry? to a youth minister, what would it look like to actually integrate young people into the life of your congregational ministry to do life together in a really robust way? And how can we help you? Wow. So, yeah. That's pretty inspiring. And we're all now thinking of um, youth ministries, the challenge to build log colleges with young yeah. people. I'm, I, feel, um, I feel like I need to burst into song or something. Is there <laughs> There should be a musical about this. Let's let's work on that together next. Let's, yeah, that feels like a co-authored project. I would love to do that with you. Um, so two other things I need to talk to you about quickly, and I realize I've had too much of your time already. Um, the first thing is that you've co-written a book, and it sounds mm -hmm. very interesting. And so I wonder if you could just outline that in, in briefest form. Yeah. Yeah, uh, through uh, Erdman, we have co-authored a book. The authors, uh, the we in this context is Kenda Creasy-Dean, myself, uh, Wes Ellis, who I already quoted <laughs> today, and Justin Forbes, um, another dear scholar and friend in the youth ministry world. And we've co-authored this book. The title is Delighted. The subtitle is What Teenagers Are Teaching the Church About Joy. Wow, that's a good title. Yeah, and uh, in the book, we just we talk about youth ministry as a project of joy rather than a project of fear. Um, mm. And youth ministry as a way forward for the church. And what we're 
talking about really is, you know, Martin, you and I were just speaking earlier about how youth ministry has sometimes been a tool for congregations that feel anxious, right? To, yeah. It's a tool to ensure their survival. Yeah. So quick, let's get young people in here and then we won't die as a local congregation, yeah. right? Very Do familiar. Our youth minister, right? So yeah, this, this book kind of unpacks what would it look like for youth ministry to be... Um, <laughs> to sort of be what, what I would say all ministry is, right? A way for young people to name and experience God's delight, mm-hmm. uh, not only in their lives, but in the world. And then a way to also follow God's delight into the world, to work o- alongside their local congregation, to name joy and to be part of the joy that God is bringing about um, in the world. Wow, and when does, that, when does that come out? When does that arrive? You know, that's a great question. I, I was just texting some folks this morning to ask them, when in the world has this been getting published? And the, the, the current question is this fall, or the current response is this fall, okay. question mark. <laughs> which which so, in, in, in England means this autumn. Ah, we don't, have, we don't autumn? have a fall, we yeah. don't, that, apart from in the Bible. <laughs> you know, there's um, the fall of man. No, um, fair. But, so, oh, but, shoot. Well, but, we hope it doesn't take that long. But um, <laughs> although you never know, that could be today. So, yeah. the, <laughs> so, so, um, so, so. Anyway, this this podcast, although we're recording it in July, uh, actually is uh, broadcast in September. So, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, you will uh, by now it'll be available, and it's called Delighted. And I'm sure if people Google Delighted and Abigail, are you Abigail Visco Russet on the book, or are you? Have you got some pen name? Nope, that's me, Abigail Briscoe-Russert. Yeah, Perfect. on the book. Perfect. So, um, so, so people can find that. But that does sound like a, a really interesting book. And you might share some of that, I wonder, at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. You see how, <laughs> see how I segued that? Yeah, um, I'm so excited so and you, delighted yeah, to be... <laughs> I see what you did there. So you, you, you were at the first one um, in uh, 2016. And then last year... You had a pretty pathetic reason, I think, for for missing out. I, I can't know, remember babies, what it was, but know. yeah, yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> but um, but now uh, you're returning to the to the um, the 2019 National Youth Ministry Weekend, and uh, and you are going to be speaking on our seminars uh, stream again. I hope with a colleague, but mm-hmm. also you are going to be speaking in one of our main sessions. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a huge honor, and oh, don't overplay it, you know. No, oh no, I'm they, not overplaying it. <laughs> they let a lot of people on that stage. <laughs> it's a huge honor, and it's it's just really exciting, and and I think we'll be dancing around this this stuff I've written about in the book. So I hope we'll see. Um, but I I'm I'm really excited to be part of the project that you all are doing. You are bringing. So much to the youth ministry conversation on both sides of, of the Atlantic. <laughs> and oh, stop it. No, you are. And it's such a joy to be able to be there and feel the energy in that room and really learn from what all of you are doing. So it puts the Institute for Youth Ministry in a great position um, to learn from Youthscape. So thank you so much for that honor. You're nice. Um, but I think you're going to be brilliant. And I think people are going to love hearing from you and getting to meet you. Um, when I was over in uh, Princeton in April, I came to your event, which is called the Forum. Now, is it on I'm... youth ministry? <laughs> it is. Man, this, confu- this is confusing. <laughs> Just to keep it confusing. <laughs> so we've got the Institute for Youth Ministry, 
mm-hmm. who run the forum on youth ministry. Amen. You got okay. it. <laughs> and uh, so I'm there. I'm all over it. Um, and and that was that was intimidating to me because I this was not a place where I could um, you know uh, surf just on my good looks and quick wits. I had to um, you know come across some level of academically um, you know intelligent. And of course, I can't do that. So uh, <laughs> Dr. Lucy Shuka did the seminar with me, and it was all fine. Um, but uh, but that's a really special event, and you it's a smaller gathering. Um, mm. But um, but but just tell us about that because I feel like. There might be some people out there who, who would be interested in going to a completely different kind of event. Um, and I'm sure they would be very welcome to apply to come and, and join you uh, as you do that next year. So what, what, um, what, what is that? Just tell us a little bit about a flavor of that event. Yeah, the, the Princeton Forum on Youth Ministry, and just to say in 2020, the dates are April 29th to May 2nd, and that's here on the campus at Princeton Seminary. Um, our theme next year is vision. And we are going to be basically exploring um, a lot of the, the learnings of this work we're doing in innovation right now. And we are looking back to look ahead while we're talking about our history and we're trying to point toward the ways in which congregational leaders are doing incredible things mm. in, the, in the states and in the world. But really, Martin, you, I know it feels like because it's Princeton that it's only academic, but... I love when you talk about um, your work and Lucy's work and coming there. I mean, what's great about the forum is that we bring, and I would say a lot of, you know, what y'all are doing is very academic. You're researching and then creating resources. Uh, So what you are doing, we bring scholars, we bring practitioners together. And we just have this sense that these people belong to each other, that practitioners need to be challenged. They need to be treated like they have a brain (laughs) and can reflect deeply on the theological work they're doing every day. And then we're also convinced that scholars need to be challenged and informed by what practitioners are doing every day. People who are out there in the world doing ministry, that will sharpen scholars in a really incredible way. So putting these two groups of people together at this event is wildly important to us. We use it as a hub for all of our programming. So any program that we do um, is is gathering for a moment in time at that event. This year, we're also offering to people, we have a lecture series that happens at that event. There's four lectures. Um, Two of our confirmed lectures are Father Greg Boyle and um, Kendra Creasy-Dean. Wow, how did you get her? That's amazing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Crazy. Um, But the, the... one package we're offering this coming year, we're noticing that a lot of people who work in ministry need some rest. Mm. So they want that academic rigor, but they also just want to rest. So we're allowing people this year to purchase a package where they come and they just stay in a local hotel. They come to the four lectures, they do the common shared meals with us. Mm. And otherwise they just have Sabbath to read and reflect and to write and to write that curriculum that they haven't ever had a chance to write, (laughs) to um, be with each other for one or two sessions where they can just share with other people who are there to Sabbath, you know, what are my challenges? What are the things I'm, I'm longing for right now in my ministry? And um, yeah, that's, that's some highlights of the year ahead. That is a beautiful idea. The conference where they actually tell you not to go to anything. I love, I love that idea. Come to four lectures, and that's it. Four days, four lectures, and the rest of the time, you get to just be and, and use this resource uh, of this beautiful campus and use the resource of the library and just 
find a spot to study and reflect on what it is you're doing every day. Well, I think I think people should check that out because it genuinely it's not um, it's not a huge amount of cost to get over to the US and, and get along to that event. If that's something that you'd be interested in, you can find out about it by visiting the website, which is Abigail. I, IYM Forum. So IYMFORUM dot PTSEM, Princeton Theological Seminary, right? PTSEM dot edu. PTSEM dot edu. Perfect. Yeah. So check that out. Um, and, uh, and Abigail, that has been uh, a gloriously wide ranging, uh, at times on my part, waffly uh, conversation. Thank you for, for, for giving us so much of your time and yourself. Um, I love this idea. I'm going to go now and look up the history books of when Youthscape and the Institute for Youth Ministry were, were founded because I've got this kind of, I've got this mental picture now that the two, the two institutions were somehow born on the same day uh, in, the same, <laughs> in the same kind of cosmic hospital. And each, each was given half a golden amulet. And now as we come together... Um, we reform it into one, and uh, some, somehow we're going to... No, gonna, no, no, I see what you're doing. We're, 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 we're going to merge. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, you heard it here first, a merger. Oh, gosh. A merger. Yeah, I hope none of the uh, VPs are listening to this. No. Oh. <laughs> um, but I can tell you, Martin, the exact date. It's, I carry around the original documents of the IYM with me. Oh, I thought you were going to say you carry around half an amulet. That would have been really scary. No. <laughs> no. Um, and it's May 1995. That's when we were launched. I'm going, I'm going to go and look this up and see what we were doing in May 1995. <laughs> um, I was doing my GCSEs, which means nothing to you. Anyway, uh, Abigail, thank you. You are a great sport, and we will look forward to seeing you again in November. Thank you, Martin. It's a joy. You've escaped podcast. What? So Abigail is coming to the National Youth Ministry Weekend, Martin. Can you give us any more updates, any more tantalising offers, things on the table, just in case there are those few rogue spare tickets around? There will be. There will be, inevitably, a few rogue spare tickets. There will. If you want to come to the National Youth Ministry Mm. Weekend, and you should, quite frankly, if you've got something else on, then... (laughs) Oh in November. Gosh. Like, what else do well, you no, oh my goodness. There's no weddings How in of you to have Nobody things gets on. married in the mid- middle of November. Uh, is that a scientifically collaborated fact? I don't know. But I'm aware know. academics are listening. <laughs> but, um, yeah, all right. But if Maybe you... you've got something on. But if it's not a wedding, what else can we make exe- exemptions well, for? I don't think we should start listing. Very close family uh, birthdays. But if there's none of those, yeah. and you are free... Definitely not concert tickets. If someone, you've got concert tickets, you'll yeah, resell those. Yeah, absolutely. Come to the National Youth Ministry Weekend from the 15th to the 17th of November in Birmingham at Resorts World at the Vox Conference Centre. And I'm very excited because I'm coming down from Preston. Oh, yeah. It's one train. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So whereas I was living in London, and yeah. for London, you have to go into London to then yeah. get out... Now it's just I, one I'm in the train. north. I'm in one train. I'll get me there. It's beautiful. Everything beautiful north. Everything is but a train away. Everything is but a train away. So I'm going to be so excited to be there. Yeah. Very good. And you're speaking. I am. I'm as very well excited. Yeah. On Saturday. Yes. I think. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we have some brilliant speakers this year. So if you haven't caught up with us so far, as well as Abigail, uh, who's going to be speaking on our main stage, and Rachel, we've also got the brilliant Pete Gregg. Uh, coming to speak and share some of his stuff. I've got to give him five pounds, apparently. Brilliant. You know, oh, yes, you know, well, yes, you do. You know, yes. he heard the... Yes, he did. He'll never listen to this thing. Yes, so he, that's why you shouldn't bet. No, that's right. That's why you shouldn't make bets. So I owe Pete Greg five pounds. 
Um, also, uh, Mark Ostriker is coming over, or you may know as Marco, has written columns in Youth Work mm. Magazine, Youth and Children's Work Magazine for hundreds of years now, mm. uh, and a brilliant thinker on all sorts of stuff. He's also um, just about the most wonderful, wise, and gentle facilitator around the conversation mm. around same-sex attracted mm. uh, LGBTQ questions yeah it's good and so and, and just pastoral responses to those communities yeah. and so um he's going to do a bit of that Brilliant. so we're going to have some facilitated conversation which he's Brilliant. hosting you know when you're just like i'm not palming this off on someone else but there's no, no one i trust more yeah absolutely to, to handle those conversations we've got to take well. time over these conversations it matters massively absolutely. doesn't it and also i think at, at, at conferences like this and particularly the national youth ministry weekend like the exhibition space is a really powerful space for finding people that are, my phrase, I love so much, slaying in their lane, but people that are really doing brilliant, innovative, thoughtful, passionate, theologically sound work in different areas. And even just chatting with people on the stands, I find really eye-opening and enlightening. So there's a great exhibition area. There's loads of wonderful speakers on the seminar stream. So it is, I mean, it is the place to be. Yeah, and you will get, because we've, we've managed it for the first two years, we're gonna do it again. You will get three brand new, complete youth ministry resources that have been developed using the non-trademarked Youthscape innovation process. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you actually walk away with them. They're worth a load of money Mm. and you don't pay that money. You get sold to, this is what happens. You go into the room, they they do the hard sell for five, 10 minutes about this thing. You go, that sounds great. Now I have to buy it. And we go, oh no, no, just get it for free. It's here, and it comes out like if you're in an airplane, yeah. and the mask comes from lowers down from the roof. Yeah. Basically, this resource lands in your lap. The thing is, it's if, that, like that. if that ever happens on an airplane, that is a traumatic oh, actually, yes. and stressful not a good image, situation. So we don't. It's not. It's not. I hope the metaphor <laughs> of the plane crash that we're going for there, Rachel. I was on a plane once, a small plane, on an airline company that I will not name. Um, but rhymes with peasy fet. And, um, and I was on the plane. And as we run, I've got a couple of funny stories. One is, as we take going down taxiing, like an air hostess or somebody has put a, a, a sandwich in the microwave and black smoke's coming out. And I'm like, have you oh, ever been on no. a plane and you think you're the only person that notices something? It's like Phoebe's yeah. phalange, but you're like, yeah. I, has no one else noticed this? And part of you goes, no one else has, so it's probably fine. But no one else has. So right. I have to tell somebody, the other time I was flying to Scotland on a similar airline, rhyming with flying and fair. Yeah. And um, that one, I was the only woman on the whole flight. It was all businessmen, oh, about yeah. 10 businessmen dotted around the plane. Literally, as we're about to taxi down, the air hostess walks to me and says very loudly, um, and this was her accent, so I don't mean to be like victimizing her, but she says, um, could you uh, please move so that we can actually balance the, the weight on the plane? I was the only woman on the really? whole plane, and I had to get up to move oh, no. to balance the weight on the plane. Did you get quite paranoid about your cankles after that? My cankles, my what, my what? My what? I have cankles. I'm now going to go and have a little word with my cankles. But how awful is that? So they're my two experiences. I'm sure. I'm sure that's a that's so, a well-known yes, phrase that I've I'm heard sure. people use. <laughs> but nobody will be doing anything traumatic like that when they give you the resource. No. It's Gosh, fine. what You're a fine. weird segue. <laughs> 
to have taken. Thank there. you. But anyway, I mean, enough of that. I, I, if, you, if you find a Christian platform speaker at any point and get them onto aeroplane stories. Oh my goodness. You'll never get them off. Thought, isn't it? Yeah, you never so get them off. Bad. It's, it's always bad. on an aeroplane, isn't it? All yeah. the stories are on it's an aeroplane. It's not good for the environment. We should be using the trains. Anyway. Yes. Right, so I, I've lost track of what we're talking what, about. The National, the National Youth, Youth Ministry weekend. weekend. Resources for free. Okay, so you get Come. three free resources. You get to hear all those brilliant people. There's an early day, a retreat day with... Uh, Pete Greg. Pete and Greg. you don't have to be coming to the weekend to be able to book yourself you into that. You if, don't. If you have, but that will also be awesome. It'll be yes. linked to his his latest book, How to Pray. Yes. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of seminars, and I know that that Abigail and Megan DeWall from Princeton will be involved doing some of that again around theology and youth ministry. We'll have an innovation track. We're going to have a uh, innovative new spaces track. So we're going to be looking mm. at new places to do youth ministry the theme of this year's oh, can events. you unveil it now well have i not unveiled no, it? You, no no you've done i think i've unveiled it producer oh, rachel thinks okay. i've unveiled it okay it's the escape podcast i'm always unveiling you're things. unveiling left right and center get ready for the blinds uh, to come the, up and get broken here we go <laughs> the um uh, the theme is infinite possibilities oh. and we are looking at thinking bigger about our work about young people and about our god and mm. so, uh, even though I did that as a rule of three, I felt like I was on a platform mm. right then. That was I it. did a little effective voice. Did you notice that as well? Mm. And our God. Mm. Mm. Very good. Very Amen. good. Amen. So I'll be there, and Ali Martin and I'll be hosting again. And you should come, like loads mm. of youth workers are there. Just mm. meet some more. Mm. That'd be good. <laughs> We've already done the shout outs. We have at the beginning. The only thing we want to say is. If you love this podcast, if you semi-tolerate this podcast, if the thought of supporting us and encouraging us and helping us do even better even vaguely inspires you, then you can support us via Patreon for as little as... Well, as little as you like, really. One dollar a month, or as much as you like. Yes, one thousand million billion dollars a month. Amazing. So how do we do that, Martin? If we want to support Youthscape via Patreon, it's where do we easy. go? It's very easy, Rachel. What do you do? Painfully easy. You just go to patreon.com yep. forward slash youthscape and, and then you just off. put in the amount. And I think a dollar a month works out at about 75p or that something like that in, in British money. And at this point, I normally start trying to kind of like remind everyone how much that gets. And I, I like to say things like, can of beans or half a Freddo and it just doesn't make any sense so I'm not even going to say anything like that well, that's now the standard price for a chocolate bar have you noticed it? that is snaked up well, to 75p tin of fizzy apple was 70 pence which is why I bought it oh, so that's tin of fizzy apple tin of fizzy apple it's, a, it's branded but I'm not going to name it so there, there there any, are there any other tins of fizzy apple available? <laughs> no, probably not. Actually. You feel, are there others? Producer uh, Rachel's saying there are. There we can't probably say are. We can't name what it is. That's fantastic. So do support us. And producer Rachel sends tantalising little beautiful things to our lovely family and friends that support us for our Patreon. So thank you very much. So that is it for another edition of the Youthscape really? podcast. If you've been listening uh, from the United States, yeah, sorry. From, uh, yeah, we're really sorry if you're an academic. <laughs> sorry. How on earth are you still? with us yes. frankly um, I'm going home to see if my dog's pooed all over the floor oh! thanks Abigail that's it that is it I have stopped recording <laughs>